You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor George Willis, which is titled, Improving Your Serve. For more information, please visit our website at creekside.org. Uh, I want to welcome everyone watching online, uh, Eric and Peggy, uh, I know you're watching, and my mom's watching, and who else, Therese watching, Sealanders uh, are watching, I'm saying the same names every time, you know why? Because I know there's like 50 other of you that are watching that you're not commenting, so we don't know who your name or that you're watching, so you have to say something or put your name on some kind of list so we can see it, so we can say hi to you directly. Uh, with that said, can we let those watching online know that we in-house love them by making some noise? Super awesome to have you with us today. But we'd love to have you here in person as well. So um, today we got a a few things that we're going to do and that we're going to celebrate. And uh, please just be patient. Uh, It's going to be kind of a unique Sunday. Yes, there is a message, but uh, we have some other things that we need to celebrate as a church. And the reason we do this on a Sunday morning is because it's rare that we all can get together like this at other times to celebrate uh, what God is up to and what God is doing. So the first thing I would like to do, uh, I mentioned it last week, I'd love to invite uh, Mark Hanskin and... Come on, dude. (laughs) We call him Mr. Energy. No, I'm just kidding. Thanks for dressing up today. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate you. Uh, And Mark, who else are we going to introduce? Oh, wait, we got to get you this mic. Right there. Let's see if it's on. Let's see if Mark can figure it out. I'll help you. No. It is now. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Mallory McCarthy. Mallory. Uh, Jonathan Kurniati. And one of the Sampaios. Come on, Steve. Who's it going to be? Steve. So if you don't know, uh, Mark uh, led a team in partnership with Dustin Warford at Puyallup um, Celebration. Celebration. I was going to call it a different uh, church up there. At Celebration, everybody's, you know, most people are familiar with Pastor Dustin. Uh, he was our children's director here, and then he went up there to take a, a lead pastor position. Uh, but Mark took how many people? 24. 24, and Pastor Dustin brought? 15. 24 and 50, almost? 40. Well, Technically, you came, so 25. So, so it was 40. It was 40 people. Yeah. Technically, I came because I, I know what you did. You showed and, up uh, late and left early. Yeah. <laughs> Mark and Dustin went and told our interns to go take pictures of me standing around eating a sandwich. <laughs> I said, because that's all you did. <laughs> Mark, tell the truth. So in the beginning, he was standing around because we had a lot of people, but he was standing just like that, just like that, What's hands that? in his pocket. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, we, I'm telling you that's a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> he worked on the roof. Brady. I can vouch for him. Thank you. 
Brady's the only one that respects me on the stage, so. So, what's that? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Mark, why don't you, uh, here's the question I want to ask each and every one of you to give our people an insight because it's, uh, it's your generosity through the harvest offering that, that was able to support uh, what we were able to accomplish in Mexico. So, Mark, why don't you please uh, uh, kind of give a, a brief overview on how you felt God worked in and through uh, this trip. And then I'm going to ask each and every one of you to share one thing that impacted your life through this trip. So, can you do that? Sure. Awesome. All right. A brief overview. Okay, so uh, God always likes to wait till the last minute. So... Um, which irritates me, <laughs> but, but uh, it's, it's all about patience and, and what he's going to do. Uh, so the week before we left, there were still people that needed a little bit of, a little bit of money, a little bit of funds, but God came through over and abundantly. Um, so we were fully funded just about like four days before, and then more money came in, and then more money came in. So, uh, it, you know, we get, we get down there and we're excited because, because you never know how it's going to go when you have, you have two different churches. Um, I, I know a lot of the people from last year or half the people from last year that came from Celebration Center, but there's, there was double their size and then almost double our size. So you really kind of wonder, okay, God, how is this going to work? You have two different churches from two different areas. And it was, it was amazing that there was no drama. You have a lot of teenage girls. <laughs> They're still teenage. Okay, young adults, sorry. Most of them are in college now. Uh, but there, seriously, there was no drama. We had, we had no issues. Um, and, and that right there says a lot. Uh, they, our teams just meshed. It, it was, it was amazing. The the people down there couldn't tell that it was two different churches. Couldn't tell that that some of the people didn't know each other. That we got to know each other. Uh, you know, we go down there, and we're not we're not going down to build a house. Even though we build a house, we're going down there to build relationships. And I think we built some really good relationships with Celebration, but there's also relationships down there there's there's pastors that that are down there that we we interact with uh there's one pastor him and his wife they're doing amazing things in the community with the kids uh we we get to with with your generosity we actually get to to pour into their lives and pour into their ministries uh we we got to uh we were we were able to donate uh, school supplies for them. We were able to donate. I think last year we were able to donate a refrigerator, um, which they really needed, and it was full this year. The the building that they've been working on, they they just keep building, building, building. They they've got I don't know how many kids there, Steve. Thirty five, forty kids. Uh, the uh, there's also a feeding kitchen that we go to. Uh, they did VBS at the feeding kitchen. So it, it's, 
we look at we look at the communities that we go into, and we be, we're able to go down there and preach God's word, and see these people change their lives, and it actually changes our lives as well. I'll stop talking now. Um, so this was my first time going to Mexico, and it was a really great experience. I think Mark touched on a lot of um, my main takeaways of just how like we are able to foster these relationships with our brothers and sisters in Washington from Dustin's church, but also um, in Mexico. And even though I, like, I went to school in San Diego, which was only like half an hour away from um, Mexico, but it feels completely different when you're there. Um, so that was like a very good, I feel like eye-opening and like good perspective for me. Um, but I think one big, very impactful thing for me was doing um, VBS because even though I didn't speak Spanish very well, I took some in high school, but I don't remember like anything. Um, but being able to just talk and communicate with younger kids, even though I didn't speak a ton of Spanish, they were just so gracious, even though we were coming into their country and, you know, didn't really speak much of their language, they were still so gracious. And there were a few of them that like would say thank you to me, like in English. And I was like, oh my goodness, that like, for some reason that just, just struck me because um, even though I was coming there, they were still trying to get on my level and speak to me in English. So um, yeah. And then there was, also this one girl that I was able to connect with. Her name was Wendy. She was like eight years old. Um, and we got to play soccer at VBS, which I, of course, loved because I played soccer for a lot of years. Um, and she would just stand on the sideline. And every time the ball went out of bounds, she like came and brought it up to me and like gave me a little high five. And it was just so sweet. And I tried to say a few Spanish things to her, but it was very bad. But she would just smile at me and nod, and it was, yeah. So I just felt like I was able to just create this friendship with a girl who's 11 years younger than me and is in another country, and I barely spoke her language, but yet I could just, you know, feel this special bond, and that it just really shows me how unifying the kingdom of God is. Um, even if you don't know people, I barely knew anyone from Dustin Church either other than his family, um, and I just got to know them really well too. Um, so yeah, that was just a very good experience for me. Uh, my big takeaway, really, this is our second year going. Um, we go on several family vacations a year, and this is always my favorite vacation. And it's, it's where we get a, a, a time to just stop focusing on ourselves and to share our faith um, with people from another country, from another church. Um, and it's, you know, thank you guys, because I take a large family, uh, five. Uh, it's, it's very expensive for us to go as a family, but... And we were kind of going up against time. I was telling Mark, I don't know, the fundraising's not going good this year. Just, you know, maybe the enemy's trying to keep me from getting there. Um, but last minute, just like last year, we went. And uh, it's just coming back from that week. It's it's just wonderful. Just, just the, uh, the amount of happiness that people in the other countries have with so little um, always just amazes me and it makes us uh, as a family we remember how blessed we are just to be born in this country 
And to be able to go down there and build relationships um, and lifetime, lifetime relationships. My daughter's still keeps in touch with the family that, that we built the house from last year. So, and that's my big takeaway. I just come back feeling like, you know, giving is really, we received so much that week. I just have to, I just have to defend uh, PG a little bit. Um, I mean, I there was we're supposed to attach fascia board to the rafters. I did not want to reach out like three feet above on the second floor, and you did it. So I just, so that was pretty amazing. Anyway, you did. No, you did. So, um, but so this is a uh, so we went. Um, and it was uh, me, my wife, Nadine, and our two kids. And we actually remember seeing these shirts last year, you know, when you guys went last year. And we had been talking about going, so this was our first time going. And uh, <clears throat> Reese was in the children's church and we saw the shirts and we were like, maybe we should do it next year, you know? And we had always been thinking of us as kind of like a, um, and I know some of you, God has, a purpose for all of us to do different things. Maybe not to be sent out to do something. Um, maybe you just give, and that's totally that's totally what God has put on your heart. But I think if you just know yourself as a giver, to at least just experience going there for the first time, because it's sort of like uh, you know just being responsible. Not I don't want to just knowing, just being open to the idea of going there. You actually see hammers, I mean, uh, nails through the framing, seeing the house. There's no, there's no connections into the, like, you know, uh, drain out uh, water supply. It's, it's not, you, when you go there, you kind of see how people live, and uh, we're really blessed. It just, so you can give, but to go there and experience, um, it's, it's really important, I think. For me, that's what I saw, and I thought, I was talking to Mark about this, I think one late night, everyone was in bed, and I was just like, um, you may want to give more, because you see how, uh, you know, even if you're captain of, captain of a ship or something like that, you want to see how the engine works a little bit. So I just thought that was kind of cool to actually see how uh, God's money is being used and, and resources and... Um, uh, that, that was, and there's no like epiphany, like you don't always have to have like an enlightenment and go, oh wow, I had an amazing, you know, God experience or something like that. I just think of like right now, as we're speaking, Marisol has a new home, right? And she has two boys and I just thought, we're like, you don't have to have that aha moment or anything like that. She's She's got a home. She didn't have a home before, and now she does. So, anyway. uh, Well said. Thank you for sharing. We have a quick video we want to show you uh, from the trip. I find it's always the lie that is loudest. I know the one with the power. It's never the one who is shouting, shouting. I lean in. I know that I need to listen Through all of the thunder you whisper Even in doubt you are with me, with me Like a love song that I've always known Your word hits me deep inside my soul 
the god of confusion why do i feel like i'm losing my mind every time i can't see what you're doing like a love song that i've always known your word hits me deep inside my soul when you speak an amazing trip. trip. Mark did a great job. Um, We actually had someone from our team through this and through talking with another pastor that was, you know, in partnership with us, uh, accept Jesus as well or surrendered their life to Jesus. So I'm telling you, God moved. It's because of your generosity. Um, And I'm I'm a big fan of real people kind of sharing real stories about what God is up to in their life and how God impacts their life through giving themselves away. And that's what this team did. So uh, we don't receive a bunch of, we don't have a Mexico offering. We don't have a, hey, we need to, you know, beautify our campus offering. We have one offering a year and it's called the harvest offering. And that's when we take our first fruits and it follows a model throughout God's word. And we give above and beyond our disciplinary tithe to say, God, I'm giving cheerfully. I'm giving hilariously because I know my little you can do a lot with. And last year, I think it was 160 something thousand that. And uh, just so you know, I went to national conference a couple of weeks ago and Creekside Church was number two in, in missions giving in the nation. But let me tell you what we missed it by. $4,000 ish. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I want Creekside to be like, hey, God's blessed us and we're going to bless the socks off. And uh, my competitive side wants to be like, hey, let's, let's shoot for number one. But the spiritual side, <laughs> 
says, man, you guys are awesome and some of the most generous people I know. So thank you for supporting Mexico Mission. Thank you for praying for the team. Um, it, it, we can't wait to do it next year. Uh, those who went, would you go next year? Of course you would. So uh, the second thing I want to do today, we're going to get to the message. But all this ties into what I'm talking about, so it's all good. Uh, I want to bring up the leadership for Celebrate Recovery. Uh, we're missing one dude, Michael Crosby. He's unable to be here because he has to work today. Um, I, that's what he's, he's working. Oh, vacation. Well, he's working at something. Yeah. <laughs> and here's what we're going to do. We are going to commission, officially commission this team today. Commission them to lead. Because why? This is our DNA. This, what they're about to do is our DNA, gathering people with Christ, growing in Christ, and going for Christ. And this is a big step for each of these individuals standing behind me, including Michael, a huge step. I know that personally, and I don't have time to go into details about the heart of this man right here and his passion to reach people. That's not diminishing the value uh, of uh, Boomer and Kathy. It's not at all. But God sparked something in the heart of this man that uh, compelled him to rally people around him to reach people far from Jesus and to help those who even are close to Jesus that need what James called, you know, that healing that comes from one another. This is what we do. It's a big step. Remember what God says. He says, I, I, I will give you the ability to accomplish what I call you to do. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the call. We know that. God has brought each and every one of these people here today to accomplish the great commission to be a part of his grand plan and great commandment. And listen, I say to each one of these, Kathy, Boomer, and Ryan, it has become apparent to our church leadership and to our congregation that Jesus has called each of you to a specific purpose, to, to live out our DNA through the Holy Spirit to serve as leaders and celebrate recovery. I'm, you, guys, you guys need to stand here in front of me. Come up because <laughs> I want people to see you, not me. No, you stand right here in the oh, front. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> we are going to pray over you and pray for you today. It's become apparent that the Holy Spirit has led you to serve as leaders and celebrate recovery. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I'm going to ask our congregation a question. Kathy, Ryan, and Boomer, and Mike, by proxy, do you agree to faithfully and humbly serve the people of Creekside Church as leaders of Celebrate Recovery, doing your best with Christ's help in accordance to, or in accord with the leadership, our mission of gather, grow, and go, and to uphold the responsibilities and expectations of a leader of Celebrate Recovery. If you do respond, I do. I do. Now the church, you guys, congregation, do you agree to faithfully support, faithfully uh, pray for this leadership team and this ministry 
to pray for them, to uphold them in their responsibilities with Christ's help. Church, if you do respond, I do. So upon acknowledgement of your commitment to serve as leaders of Celebrate Recovery, we commission you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, to serve Jesus Christ and his congregation as leaders in this group called Celebrate Recovery. Now we're going to pray. And if you can, reach out your right hand in agreement. Father, we come before you with a grateful heart, acknowledging your sovereign authority over all things. And we thank you for Celebrate Recovery, this leadership team, and their dedication to guiding individuals on the path of healing and restoration. And as they embark on this journey of service, Father, we seek your divine wisdom and empowerment upon them. We pray, Lord, that you would equip each member of the leadership team with discernment, with compassion, with strength. Grant them the ability to lead with humility, always seeking your guidance in every single decision that they make. And help them to serve as a beacon of hope and encouragement to those who are struggling with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And as they step in to this role and as we commission them, we are reminded of your words in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, where it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be set free. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies and to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. And in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Lord, we ask that you empower Ryan, Kathy, Boomer, and Michael. Empower the Celebrate Recovery leadership team to fulfill this calling. Help them to bring your light into the darkness to bind up the brokenhearted, to guide individuals towards freedom and restoration in you, Jesus. May they be vessels of your grace, extending love and mercy to all who come seeking healing. And we also pray for protection and strength for each and every one of them. Grant them resilience in times of discouragement. Give them wisdom in time of decision-making. Surround them with a supportive community called Creekside Church that will uplift them and encourage them as they pour out their hearts and lives for the sake of others. And finally, Lord, we lift up the participants of Celebrate Recovery, all of those who are you, that you are bringing in to place under their loving care. May they experience your transformative power, finding healing and freedom in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Use this leadership team as instruments of your love, Father, guiding each person to a deeper relationship with you. And we offer this prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, who came to heal and set the captives free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a hand. You got this. <laughs> you just jacked my hug. What's up? <laughs> Ryan, you're such a hugger. <laughs> okay, now, I don't know if you know this or not, but we have camp coming up. I told you there's a few elements we got to do. 
any of the camp leadership, uh, that counselors, helpers, whoever's going to camp and uh, leading this, please come up to the front. Nice. <laughs> Stand right here. Guys, we are going to pray. Where's Pastor Jesse? Uh, kids church. He's right there. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Pastor Jesse, grab a mic. I'm going to have you lead this prayer. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but Pastor Jesse and Pastor Christina, Pastor Jesse and Pastor Christina are leading uh, children's camp and senior high camp this year. They are part. They are part of uh, you know the the camp director team, and uh, they have done a fabulous job prepping. I think we're taking more kids than we have in the last I don't know how many years. But I, uh, Pastor Jesse, how many kids do we have? How many sixth through twelfth graders do we have going? We have Jack. It's on. We have Moniel. We've got fifty nine sixth through twelfth graders going. Fifty nine. Yeah. You can stand up here. Uh, Pastor Jesse and his team uh, get to oversee those 59. Uh, camp total, I think we have how many? 200 and... Uh, uh, people or just students? <laughs> Which number you want? Students. <laughs> students, I think we have 185. 185 students going. 59 of those are Creeksides. So uh, it's going to be an amazing week. Pastor Christina, uh, how, many kids, how many kids are we taking to camp this year? 21. 21. Which is awesome because we haven't had kids camp for last four years, three or four years. So that's crazy. And Pastor Christina has stepped up and said, I'm going to lead this charge and we're going to reignite momentum with camp. So um, here's what we're going to do. Some of you have been through camp. You know about camp, so you know how much prayer is needed for all of these individuals that are standing here and the ones that weren't able to make it because they had to work today to be at camp this week. These are people giving their time. uh, They're taking their vacation time to go and love and lead our kids, and uh, they can use all the prayer they can get. So I'm going to ask you again, reach out your right hand, and uh, we are going to pray over uh, this team and those who aren't able to be with us, Pastor Jesse, can you pray and, uh, that God moves in a mighty way and that these are all protected? Absolutely. All right. Man, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for just the opportunity that we have to, to do camp again, Lord, coming out of uh, COVID. We were able to do the youth camp last year, but Lord, we're so grateful that we can do youth and children's again. Uh, Father, I thank you for the, the individuals who have stepped up uh, who have sacrificed uh, time, uh, not just away from work, but away from family, uh, Lord, to be at Camp Koinonia and to invest their time. And Lord, uh, we believe that this isn't a, a light investing, Lord, that this is something that is deep. This is something that goes far beyond the here and now, Lord, but this is an investment into eternity and into eternal souls. And so, Father, I pray uh, first for kids camp, Lord. I, I pray for Pastor Christina and her leaders and the other leaders that are going to be joining. Heavenly Father, would you fill them with your Holy yes, Spirit Lord. and with your grace, Lord, that it would extend beyond what they have, Lord. Would your love flow through them to these students, Father? Would there be 
so many seeds that are planted, Lord Jesus, that as these students grow up, Father, that no matter where they end up, they will always have that seed in them, Lord, waiting to be uh, watered, Lord, and watered and 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 uh, tilled the soil, Lord Jesus, so that they come to know you, Heavenly Father, with these moments that we get to spend have eternal value, Lord Jesus. And for youth camp, Lord, for the same thing, for the leaders. Father, we need your help. (laughs) We want to reach as many as possible, Lord. Would you help us to cast the seeds as far as we possibly can, Lord Jesus. Invest every single moment that we have, Father. We pray for protection. We pray against anything that the enemy might try to throw at us, Lord. We pray against injury, Lord. We pray that uh, this would be a wonderful week to remember for all the best reasons Heavenly Father, that your word would be proclaimed, that you would be made known, and that lives would be changed and decisions would be made that would forever change the course of the lives of our students. We pray this and many more things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we give them a hand? Because they leave, some of them leave today, right after second service. So, communion, Mexico. CR youth. There's something that all of these groups have in common because the majority of them are not, whether they're staffed or not, there's something that all of them have in common. And it's that they are giving themselves away. They're serving. They're compelled to do something with what God has given them. I would like to ask you a question this morning. What do you think, and maybe it's your concept or your view, but what do you think the world's view or concept of serving is? I mean, you don't have to answer it out. It's a rhetorical question, but what do you think the world's view of serving is? And when you get that in your head, let me ask you this other question. What, what do you personally think is easier, serving God or serving other people? And really, is there a difference between those two? Or how are those two related? Another question I would like to ask, and this is an interactive one. How would you rate yourself as a servant right now on a scale of 1 to 10? I think we have a scale. One, you need a little bit of improvement. Or 10, you're pretty amazing at it. Amazing. Where do you find yourself on that scale of of 1 to 10? You know, what would be kind of your attitude towards serving or your servitude? That was, yeah, (laughs) lame. Now listen, I don't do this. I don't put that up there as a guilt trip. I'm not, this is not a guilt trip uh, to, to, if you, you know, that make you have to serve or do something. This isn't a guilt trip that if you are serving, you know, you need to serve better or whatever. I want this to be an encouragement an encouragement. If you are already serving and you're, you know, in some way, shape, or form, I want to give you four thoughts that will strengthen and recalibrate the why you do what you do. And if you're not yet serving, I want to give you four thoughts that will, you know, help you jump in with confidence 
Or maybe help you jump in going, oh yeah, God has blessed me and I need to do something with it. Four main thoughts, and I'm going to give you a few selective scriptures. We're not going to camp out in one passage today. Just giving you a heads up. We're kind of, you know, going to, I'm going to give you four different scriptures that talk about serving. And I want to look at one of the ways that God describes a way to serve. And it's with this, James 1. It says, the Christian who is pure and without fault from God the Father's point of view is one who what? Takes care of orphans and widows. Takes care of orphans and widows. And who remains true to the Lord. Not soiled and dirtied by his contacts or her contacts with the world. Let that sink in for a second. The New uh, Living Translation puts it this way. Pure and genuine religion. In the sight of God, the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and doing what? Refusing to let the world corrupt you. Making a decision to say, I'm not going to let that change who I am. Now again, with the questions. And I want you to really think about this answer. Think about the answer to the question that I'm about to ask you. Is there anything in your life, is there anything, anything in your life that tends to keep you from serving? Is it a who? Is it a what? Is there a why? Is there anything in your life that keeps you from serving? Because when you get that answer, knowing that answer, is it possible that there really is, in spite of what we think is keeping us, is there, is there really a practical way that we can express what, what uh, James says, pure and genuine religion to others around you? In my prayer today, in my hope, and that's why we took the time to bring three different groups of people up who are giving their time and their talents and their resources to serve other people. My prayer and the hope is whatever barrier, whatever barrier that, that is, is keeping you from serving or using the gifts that God has given you would be removed today. I have a feeling that this is not going to surprise anyone this morning, but did you know that we live in a self-centered me-first world? <laughs> Unfortunately, this attitude comes so naturally that it often goes unchecked in our lives. But for the maturing Christ follower, for those who are different today than they were yesterday because of Jesus in their life, for those who are growing in their relationship with Christ, this attitude has to become more and more unnatural to us. Through the transformative work of Jesus, this attitude of a me first self-centered, I mean, mindset has to become more unnatural. 
And as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, we begin to see that selfishness is a negative attitude. And with his help, we can move beyond it in both our thoughts and our actions. We begin to move beyond this when we start to flip the switch and become more focused on the needs of other people. I think that's what sets Christians apart from everybody else. An other-centered person sees the needs outside of their own immediate needs. Outside of their own immediate world. And what do we do? Oh, poor thing. No. We respond to them with what? Christ-like compassion. And here's what I know about human nature. This is not a natural reaction. It's only one that comes when the believers, those who fully surrender to Jesus, turn their heart and, and tune it in to the heart of God. We talked last or two weeks ago about last week. I'm losing track of time. When was the fourth? Two weeks ago? Last week, see? We talked about dependence on God. Dependence on God. And again, I want to reiterate, dependence on God and His power, what does it do? It opens us up to a new perspective on religion. And I put that in air quotes because I'm talking about a relationship with Christ, not religion as in liturgy, liturgy and all of that stuff. Following Christ is no longer a mindless ritual. It's not just something we do mindlessly, but a personal response. It's a personal response to others that mirrors God's concern for them. You know, as I was working through this, and, and I had to rewrite some of this last night because I didn't hit save when I originally wrote it. So I was telling Jake and, and my wife, I'm going, all of my zingers are gone, and I can't remember them. James calls this type of action pure and true religion. Pure and true. Simply put, this means putting other people first. I mean, we can spend weeks on this subject, but I wanted to get it done in 25 minutes today. This other-centered attitude is often described as having a servant's heart. A servant's heart. What does a servant do? A servant shows compassion for the hurting. A servant shows compassion for the widowed. A servant shows compassion for the lonely, the lost, the left behind, the troubled, the forgotten about. A servant shows compassion for the hungry. And how do we, how do we show this compassion? By going, Lord, speak to me. Tell me if I'm supposed to love this person. 
If that's the case, then when we hit the bars and we go and have a little too much to drink, make sure you ask God if you should be doing that too. Consult with him. We're supposed to do it because it's who we are. It's what Jesus did for you and me. And we're supposed to reflect that. We show this compassion for the widow, lonely, lost, left behind, the trouble, the hungry, the, 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 you know, the hopeless. Not by, you know, making excuses why we can't. We do it by meeting their needs. You want to consult God on something? God, how can I meet that person's need? How can I use what you gave me? And how can you work through me to meet this person's need? Because I know that person is your masterpiece and you love them just as much as you love me. James equates this type of action to genuine Christianity. Genuine Christianity. So we can draw the conclusion that if a Christian doesn't do this, there may be a good reason to question their genuineness of faith. Guys, I'm wrestling with this just as much as you might be right now. Caring, serving, loving others. You know what? It's evidence of our spiritual maturity. We should seek to serve in countless ways. Now, the key takeaway here is that we begin to, and, and we've said it before, we, we act on God's word, not just listen to God's word. We're grabbing a scripture out of James who also says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And it's those who are doers of the word who experience true blessing. Because they discover that they, they're never more like Jesus than what? When they serve. When they give themselves away. So just how do we improve our serve? Just how do we have a little bit more confidence going, you know what? I know God's blessed me, but I just don't know where to get in. I don't know where I fit in. I'm not real confident. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to have that big of an impact. What I have to offer is so small. I don't know if it's going to make a difference. Listen, everything that you do makes a difference, big or small. So how do we improve? One of the first ways we can do this is eat a piece of humble pie. We all know what that tastes like. 1 Peter 5 says, and all of you, say it with me, serve each other with humble spirits. Oh, it's not up there. Okay, there it is. What, you didn't know that by memory? 1 Peter 5 says, and all of you, that's all of us, do what? Serve each other with humble spirits. For God gives special blessing to those who are humble, but sets himself against those who are proud and prideful and want to be in control and want to do what they want to do in certain contexts. I'm convinced that humility is a process. 
We need to develop an attitude of humility. We become more humble as we spiritually grow, as we spiritually mature. And what do we know about humble people? Does anybody know someone who is truly, authentically, genuinely humble? Here's what I know about humble people. They don't require praise. It's not about them. They're not looking out for numero uno. And because they're not about those things, in turn, what do they do? They give attention and time to other people. Here's a fun thought. Maybe a fun fact. You might be stuck with yourself, but you don't have to be stuck on yourself. You can tweet that. You can be stuck with yourself, but you don't have to be stuck on yourself. God, I don't know what I have to offer. I'm not good at anything. I I don't feel like I, I can do much. I have a big impact, but I know you can through me. God, I'm just not feeling it. I don't, uh, but I know where I am weak, you are strong. I said it today uh, to the, one of the many groups I brought up here today, the CR group. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips those he calls. Listen, God's word is clear about his objection to the proud. He objects the proud and the arrogant. He says he sets himself up against them. I don't want to be on that side. I don't want God to be against me in any way for any reason. Do you? So I think what I'll do is I'll sit at the table and I'll eat a big fat piece of humble pie. And I'm going to eat that piece of humble pie with gratefulness. Thank you, Jesus. How do we improve it? Develop in humility. The second thing is grow in security in your identity in Christ. Galatians 1. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, Paul says. I'm only trying to win the approval of one person, and who is that person? God. If pleasing people were my goal, he says, I would not be Christ's servant. So here we see, if if you're out to please people, you're not serving Christ. A servant knows who is in control of their life. It's their Lord. And our Lord Jesus Christ is our master. He is the one that guides and directs our steps. You know what a a, a good warning sign of insecurity is? People pleasing. A desire to please people. A desire and living to please other people. When we live to please God and when we live to seek his approval, we may serve in ways, and the reality is it can get kind of funky in the world's view, right? We may serve in ways that appear strange to the world, but 
A true servant isn't out to impress the world. A true servant is out to serve the world, not to impress the world. Then, when we grow and we're secure in our identity in Christ, who we are and whose we are, the third thing is we remind ourselves of what God has done for us. See, these these are going to be four elements that will help you or give you the encouragement to serve. Remind yourself of what God has done for you. It says this, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, Romans 12, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of what? All he has done for you. Let them be, wait, I'm lost here. Let them, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he finds accessible. This is truly the way to worship him. Thankfulness is one of the major motives behind serving. Gratefulness to God. I would dare say that serving other people is our response to Christ giving himself to us or on on the cross for us. Grateful people are great servants because they understand God's grace. I think my friend Steve said it best. They don't have much in Mexico, but they were some of the most joy-filled people. That's not exactly what he said, but I'm paraphrasing because I know that what he said to be true. Those who have the least seem to give the most. Because they understand how much they are blessed. Our response to Christ's work on the cross demands so much more than we can possibly ever give. That's how good he is. But I know for me in my life, I know I can give a little bit stronger or a a little stronger response to Christ's work on the cross. And one of the most meaningful expressions of thankfulness is revealed in when we serve other people. I cannot think of any other way. We reflect Christ more than when we give ourselves away. Because that's what he did for us. And lastly, ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. Proverbs 2. It says, cry out for what? Wisdom. Beg for what? He goes on and he digs down deeper. You got to search for it as you would silver. You have to hunt for it like hidden treasure. It sounds like to me that God really wants us to have and use wisdom in our life. Not just have it, but he wants to give it to us. And he said, then you will understand what it means to respect the Lord. See, God's wisdom enables us to discern who, where, and when we should serve. His wisdom. Not what we think. His wisdom. Not how we feel about it. His wisdom. Not our opinion. His wisdom. I'm not saying all those things are bad. I'm just trying to elevate God's wisdom in our life. So this week, 
why don't you consider starting off your day by asking God for wisdom? Why don't you start off each day asking God for wisdom? Beg him for it. Look for it. Search for it. Be on the lookout for God's wisdom to be given to you. Then watch him use this new attitude, this other-centered attitude that you have to meet the needs of people around you. Because friends, that's true religion. That's the religion James is talking about. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as I close. And I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to worship in a moment. But what I want you to understand is one of the biggest impact, impact that anyone has ever had on my life. On my life. And Eric, I saw the note you wrote to my mom online. And uh, uh, thank you for sharing that with her. The biggest impact anyone has had on my life wasn't with, you know, they didn't approach me with some amazing biblical knowledge. They weren't saying, oh, look how many verses I memorized. They didn't come with, you know, to me and, and, and flex their biblical knowledge. They didn't, they didn't come at me and, and pray these fancy prayers over my life. They, they didn't come to me arguing their point, of view, uh, their point of view with me or their opinion about this, that, or the other. They didn't come at me, you know, telling me what I was doing wrong. They never invited me to an attractive, you know, haze-filled light show worship service. You got to come and listen to our band. Although our band is pretty good. You're funny, David. <laughs> now I feel like I got to build that again, but it's not when they it's not when they did any of these things. You know what the most the biggest impact that they had on my life is when they met me right where I was. It's when they showed me how much they loved me. Showed me. Not told me. Showed me. And how did they do that? By putting their lives aside for mine. Serving. Serving. Here's what I know to be true. God has given each and every one of us, every one of you, a gift, a passion, an ability, resources to be used for his kingdom. And if you are not using them to love and serve and give or to build his kingdom or to meet a need, then something in his kingdom isn't getting done. And I'm always reminded of this that our actions will always speak so loudly that people will barely hear what we're saying. And that's the kind of church we need to be. Where our actions are so loud that they barely hear what we're saying. So now that we have a deeper understanding and perspective about serving, 
As we close this morning, I'd like for each of us to ask ourselves this question again. What rating would you give yourself? What rating would you give yourself? Based on now that we have an understanding, four pillars of of serving with the right attitude, with the right heart. Would you give yourself now that you know? How would it be different than the score you gave yourself at the beginning? Would it be higher? Man, I was encouraged. I know I'm on the right God. I am allowing God to use me. Or would it be lower? Uh, Maybe, maybe I can take some bigger steps. Maybe I can, maybe I need to, to seek God and ask him what he wants me to be doing. Whatever it is, you need to take that to God. Like I said, this isn't me trying to guilt anybody into doing anything. But what I know I can do is make whatever steps that God asks you to take a little bit easier. And we've done just that. I think in the bulletin or at Guest Central, you have a list of of ways that you can serve And it may not be a a, a tangible action of serving. Maybe some of you, you're going, man, I really need to step up and I can support Mexico and I can, I can, you know, give a little bit more for this to make this happen, knowing that everything we do is to get the message of Jesus out into those, you know, lives of people who need him. Go to God. That's all I'm asking you to do and ask him. This is his church. It's not mine. It's his church. It's his house. We are the bride of Christ. He is our Lord. And when he's our Lord, there's some things we just don't get a say in. Take that piece of paper home, pray over it, read it and ask. If you have any questions, see Monique and ask Monique or email me, talk to me or any of the staff. We want to put you in a position uh, to be fulfilled in this life. And one of the ways we do that, we have to give away something in order for God to fill us back up. So dear Heavenly Father, we come before you with a humble heart this morning, grateful for the gifts that you've given each and every one of us, given me, given us to serve others, to build your kingdom, to glorify you. Father, we pray for strength. We pray for wisdom. And Father, we pray for understanding to serve with grace, not because we have to, but because you gifted us and we get to do this, Father. Father, we want to serve others and love others to shine your light and bring glory to you. So open our eyes, Father, to see a need. Give us compassion, Father. Help us be a vessel of your love and grace and be a beacon of hope to those around us. Use this church, Father, collectively and use the individuals that make up this church to uplift and inspire and to spread the message of Jesus Christ, the message of hope, the message of healing, the message of love. And Father, I pray that you above all else, will be glorified through our actions of serving and loving one another and in the lives of those 
we serve in our community, in our city. Creekside Church, if you agree with me, give me a big fat amen. Amen. You are loved. Let's close our time collectively in worship this morning.